Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Fins Up podcast. I'm your host, Morts. I'm joined by my very handsome colleague, Salo Dan. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Mate, Terry, doing well, thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, look, a little bit rocked today um, from some personal news that we heard, so I'll, the floor's over to you, Dan. Hey, thanks, Terry. Look, um, for those that haven't heard, it's not really our story to tell but a, um, an original listener, Bron, who actually listened to the first one and said it was her first podcast and gave some positive feedback, which, you know, I knew she was lying, which meant the world because it was horrible. But, I mean, you know, a, a, good, a good friend. I'd never met her, but I felt like she, feel like she's a good friend and I, I would hope she'd say something similar. Um, suffered the, the most tragic of losses earlier. Again, it's not our story, but anyone who knows Bron, like, yeah, our hearts are just... Yeah, we're shattered. Million pieces. And I can only imagine what, what she and her family are going through. But we, we want to dedicate this one to little Mace, yeah. to Bron, Casey, Oliver, the entire, anyone who's listening. I mean, hopefully she doesn't hear this because uh, she's got more important things to do than this ask for Avalon. But I mean, yeah. if anyone can do anything, hug your children, donate some money, just think some good thoughts, enough negativity, please. Like, yeah. and Mace, for you, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, Daniel. Um, yeah, look, our hearts shouted this morning when we spoke about it. But um, yeah, your your words were were where, exactly where they needed to be, mate. But um, let's get through it. Um, our thoughts are with you, Bron. Um, our thoughts are also to a rugby league game and a rugby league team, Dan. Uh, the Cronulla the Sharks, greatest team of them all, Terry. The Cronulla Sharks, like it is, mate. The Cronulla Sharks on the weekend defeated the Brisbane Broncos twenty-four points to sixteen in a game that left me so incredibly frustrated and so incredibly angry that my dog, who is the biggest in-home dog that you can ever ever find, when I sat outside for an hour, I was fucking livid with that performance, and we won. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the, the problem with being a Sharks fan this year and most years is that even after victories, you're still pissed off because, by all rights, we shouldn't have won on the weekend. Like, you know, we beat the Tigers convincingly, but again, I'd say that a better team would have beaten us on the day. we got to learn to just take the good and just say we won. Yay for us. I mean, it's a game that, you know, we won and it was really important for the top eight, but... It felt like we left five tries out there on the field. And, geez, those five tries would have been absolutely incredible for our for and against because we're in a pickle this weekend, Dan. We're in a pickle. We certainly are in a pickle. Whereas if we'd won, like you said, by five tries, then the Titans are discounted. I mean, now there's a 20, 22 or 24-point turnaround. So if we lose by 12, they win by 12. They jump us, regardless of what Canberra do. But, you know, if we, if we put 50 on them again this week then, yeah, we're sitting pretty and we've only got Canberra to worry about. But now, through our own misaction, could be very costly. You know, hopefully not. Hopefully we beat Melbourne, but... Yeah, look, I just... I, the frustration comes that we it just feels like we feel we have to score on every play. You know? It just feels like we need to come up with a big play in every set. At the beginning of the game, Luke Metcalf kicked the ball on the third tackle, put us under incredible pressure. He didn't get to 40-20. He didn't hit the ball sweet at all. Tessie New returns the ball up near the halfway line. We're under immense pressure. Our defence holds on. Second tackle, Britton Nakora runs out. Sharkies. You know, there's... Hand on head like Finn. There's so, there's so many other things as well, like, 
you know, the cutout board of Sione Katoa with the line wide open. All he had to do was catch the ball. Instead, it's a, it's a pass that lands at his feet. He drops it. Will Kennedy from the scrum play creates a two-on-one, and instead of just taking the tackle, like, he, he throws a flick pass to a guy who's beside him. Like, if he, you know, two-handed pass, Katoa scores. Fuck. Dan. <laughs> it was so frustrating. It's not easy being a Sharks fan, mate. My son, last week against the Tigers, I sat and watched with him. And at the end, I was in a pretty good mood because we belted the Tigers. I mean, very hard not to be. But he said, Dad, we're winning. Why are you still angry? I said, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. And he said, okay. And he took, he took that on. And I hope that if I impart one piece of wisdom on my child, it's to not expect too much of the Cronulla Sutherland Shark. <laughs> but I love him. I love him, Terry. I, I do love him. But there's there's one player though that I, I'm I'm really struggling to love at the moment, and and it may come as a surprise because you know usually when I get a target or an agenda, I run wild with. I haven't run wild with this one. I haven't tried to get this guy out of the club yet. Man, CSC for Talakai is fucking pissing me off this year. He's not having a good season, is he? Look, I got quite frustrated on the weekend and tweeted that he was I forget my words, but it was something that he wasn't very good. And Paul said, "Washing me out there with soap." Because um, Talakai is very big and very frightening. In terms of footballing, though, Paul, I think I think for the first time ever, you might be wrong on this one, mate. I don't think he's in our best 17 right now. Look, I think just, just on personnel and troops, he's in our best 17, right? You know, because if you have a look at our bench at the moment, the forwards are Kai O'Donnell and Billy Magulius. But you're talking... About, yeah. Yeah, cool. You're talking about, you know, if Roycey Hunt's there, if Wade Graham's there, you know, Sifa would be on... And it wasn't just like one, you know, it wasn't just one opportunity or one thing that went wrong. Like he gave away a fucking dumb six again tackle on the on the last. He got the ball stolen off him one on one. Like he just, he runs a really good hole and then drops the fucking ball. His hands are the worst. Now I was super frustrated. What you mentioned before, the referee said no, Sifa, move Sifa. He looked at him. He turned back. He looked into the camera and he dropped an elbow. It was like everyone in the world. And then he goes six again, and you see Talakai throw his hands up like, what do I do? Mate, just stop. He's Take a ve- breath and think. He's very close to becoming a Jack Hetherington. The, yeah. ref- the, referee looks, the referee looks for it every time. You, take, you have a look. Two plays before that, Jack Williams was laying all over Payne Haas, all over him. The referee didn't say anything about it. Because Jack Williams, not an idiot. Old fucking, guy. old fucking dumbass. It's you know, he's he's very quickly getting a reputation of being a fucking dumb footballer. Yeah, and it's it's well earned, unfortunately. Like, look, in terms of skill, he's got. Put like I said on the weekend, he's one of the most. He had, he's, he's got the complete package. He does. Except brains. If he had Connor Tracy's heart. And a brain, he would be a brilliant footballer. But getting being big and strong and powerful only get you so far. It's those decisions. Imagine if that game was 18-all and we give away that six again. Or it's a better team than Brisbane. They go on to beat us because a guy was warned by the referee and thought, eh, and got penalised. And that one-on-one strip to a guy a quarter of his size, which is most of the population, was just fucking downright embarrassing. It was Albert Kelly that stripped him, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because I remember getting my phone, going to tweet, thinking, nope, I've got no words. Yeah. Um, I had a good game, Albert Kelly. 
you know, he's, I think he, I think he's made you eat your words a little bit. At the beginning of the year when Rich Ossington mentioned Albert Kelly as a shot, you, you laughed it off. But Albert's been very, very good. Uh, look, no. He, he's been better than I expected, which isn't saying much. But no, he's not within the top 30 halves in the competition. I mean, we don't even have one of the top 30 halves in the competition. Well, there you go. He's number 32 behind our team. <laughs> um, speaking of a half, though, who made a difference, and that's Matty Moylan coming off the bench. Now, at the time when he came on for Metcalf, I thought it was the wrong call. I thought Braden Trindle was having an absolute stinker. And... I know Metcalf had that shocking, you know, third tackle kick, but he still looked like the one out of the two of them that was going to do something. And when, Metcalf was dangerous. Yeah. yeah, and when when he went off, I was like, "Whoa, we've got to get him back on!" Like, they're tired. There's a sin bin. You know, he he's the player that should be on. Like, out of out of Trindle and Metcalf being down, the opposition being down ten men. I want the ball in Metcalf's hands. Yeah, absolutely agree. I was screaming for Moylan. I tweeted as much. I said, we need to get Moylan on. Like, we were losing possession too easy. And the the times we did hold the ball, we weren't offering much. And you're like, you just need a bloke to get on there and say, just go forward for a couple of sets, get momentum, and then we can grind them down. And when Moylan went on, I was like, oh, sweet. I wonder who they took off. And when I saw it was Metcalf, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Trindle was having an absolute shock. He played much better in the second half. But at the time, I, I was convinced that Josh Haney was a sleeper agent. Sent in just to piss me off. I was that angry with it. Ultimately yeah. worked in the end. So, you know, hail the guy me gorilla's great. But, uh, yeah, look, Moylan, he, he's a trump card. He had to start this week, and I'm glad he's been named to do so. Yeah, he, he's, he's definitely, he's had to start. Like, he, he's, he's unreal, Moylan. Like, when he's on, you saw him against the Tigers, his first touch in, in eight weeks of... No footy. He breaks through the line, passes to Metcalf for a try. He broke through the line against the Broncos on the weekend. Unfortunately, you know, they, they hit the ball out of his hand. But it just felt like at the time we needed Moylan to just run out there and say to everyone, hey, fucking discipline. Because we were playing some shocking footy. And it wasn't until um, Flegler decided to decapitate Williams that we actually got back on top of it. Now, the... the alarming thing for me is that was the exact same scenario as the New Zealand Warriors game. We went in to halftime after they just had a man Simbin. We'd got ourselves into a nice lead. Then it became 13 on 13. Then they got another player, Simbin. It was the fucking carbon copy of the game. We didn't have Moylan then. We got him now. That's a big difference. And it's not just his playing ability. It's his experience and his defense. He saved Connor Tracy. Oh, Moylan's defense, I think yeah. he broke through. And Moylan covered Tracy because Tra- Tracy got stood up something. Disgustingly easy by Selwyn Cobo. By Selwyn Cobo, is that the one you're talking about? When when one, yeah. when Moylan so tackled say, his head into touch. That's it. If Cobo scores, then which he would have if Moylan wasn't so on the ball, they go on to win that game. And Payne Hart, they were running at Moylan. They sent Payne Hart one on one, and I thought he was going to trample the great man. Moylan brought him down, wrestled him to the ground. You know, had sex with his face. It was that good. Moylan's front on defence, like when when he defends in the line, when he's healthy, he's up there with some of the best. Now, when he's playing fullback, he's too slow. He can't react. He's you know he turns slower than milk in the sun. But when he's playing in front line and you're running at him, and Moylan's confident in his body, like you saw in the middle, Aaron Woods and fucking Aiden Tolman and and Toby. 
were getting pushed back 15 metres. He ran one-on-one at Moylan. Moylan stopped him in his tracks. I will say as well, he ran one-on-one at Blake Braley, and I thought, well, here's a fucking 30-metre run that I need for my super coach. Bang, Braley put him down. Yeah, it's, mate, it's, it's attitude. It's heart. And Moylan and Braley got it. And I don't think our high, our forwards do at the moment. But we'll get on to that in a second because I'm going to rant something fierce. But, yes, absolutely. Moylan one-on-one tackle Payne Haas. If he's not fit, Haas goes straight through. And I go so far as to say probably more than half the halves in the competition would have missed that tackle. Yeah, now, it, yeah, look, bringing Moylan off the bench when he did was genius because Moylan really turned that game. I gave him my man of the match on the weekend. I actually thought in this game it showed that Josh Hannay has learnt a lot in his time being a coach because, you know, when he started off coaching us, we were like, what the fuck did we do? Why did we sack this guy? Why didn't we just get a bin to be our coach? But you saw, you see the evolution. We lost those two games because we had Trindle and Tracy and we're like, well, you know, we can just shift Tracy out wide and then he brought Metcalf in and he slowly eased and Moylan back in. And you think there's the evolution of Josh Hannay realising that he needs to make tweaks, right? And then you actually have a look at it. You go back and you watch that game again. You have a look at his bench rotations and you just go, nah, man, this guy, just he's just lucky. He's just lucky that he's picked that the last couple of weeks. He just, he's just lucked in. His bench rotation is the worst in rugby league. I'm happy, though, and I shouldn't complain too much, that he's remembered that we have four players on the bench instead of three because there are a good four or five weeks there where – Players were getting one or two minutes and not even going out on the field. When those so, when those plus. players are Mawini Harodi and Billy Magulius, I don't care. But when you've actually well, when you've actually got a decent be there. bench, they're not yeah. going to play twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, now I, I know you want to talk about the forward soon. There's just one forward again that I, I you know I, it wasn't his best game by any means, but it wasn't his worst. But in the in the pregame. When they interviewed Payne Haas, he called out Toby Rudolph and he said, I'm going to run at Toby Rudolph all game. Toby stood up to that challenge. He did. There's not many that have because I got Payne Haas the best forward in the game by a fair margin at the moment. Length of Flemington. You know, there's, no, there's no one better than him. No, people people were saying today when I tweeted out, oh, you know, what about Feeder? What about him? Payne Haas is a better forward. He's better forward than Tom Malolo. It's better than James Fisher-Harris. He's better than Kikau. Who else is there? Fafita's not even the best forward at the Titans. So no, he's not. Just just get he's... rid of that. Payne Haas ben... is clear of everyone, and he's 20 years old. In seven years' time, this guy is going to have multiple daily M's, probably a premiership, he's only, and he's only going to grow into his body. Like, you see, he's, got, he's still got that baby fat all over him. It's ridiculous to think of how good he can be. But our boys largely kept Payne Haas, you know, quiet. Unfortunately, though... We've made some absolutely bog-average number nines look like fucking world beaters in the last two weeks. Yeah. Jake Turpin had a pretty decent game. His service is not too bad when he's playing against us. Against everyone else, he was dog shit. But it's the same. Milford. You know, Milford absolutely <laughs> carved us to, to pieces. Like, that miss from Braley on, on Milford is one that he'll he'll want back. Like, you've just put Payne Haas on his ass and then... Anthony Milford, who is the size of a prop, let's just say that, but yeah. Uh, I know you want to have a rant about the forwards, so off you go, Daniel. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck him right in the face. Mate, I am getting – now, I'm I'm not – I play it up on Twitter and here because it's, you know, hyperbole is funny. I'm not quick to anger except when our small – our big blokes get rolled by small blokes or bum hookers. 
such as Turpin and Simpkin or whoever carved us last week. And players that, you know, Tyson Gamble took us apart last time we played these pricks. Now, I don't mind if that's Cody Walker or Tommy Turbo. You know, they're going to do that to you. You can't, you know, you can get angry, but you can't really justify that anger. When reserve grade graders are running through props, and I can see this happening before it happens, that's disgusting because my read of the game is, oh, yeah, good, good football, bad football, but not... When you see Aaron Woods go to dummy half and he does that thing where he sort of, he's there but he's not really, and you just know. And every single time he does it, the opposition number nine, straight through the middle. We've conceded so many tries the last four to six weeks. I don't want Aaron Woods to make a single tackle because he has to go to marker and we're fucked. That's how I feel. When Tolman came on, I felt much, much better. Hamlin Newelli is a heaps better forward right now than Aaron Woods. Talakai played much better in the centre, in the middle. So I'm hoping Woods gets 10 minutes, gets hooked, and gets the last 10 minutes. Anything more than that, it's just too much. He's fucking hopeless. Now, thank you for echoing in nearly every Sharks fan's opinion. Um, but I think... <laughs> let's let's, uh, let's give some positivity, and let's talk about Jesse Ramian and the form that he's in at the moment. And again, another 180 metres, 13 tackle breaks... That try, though, could have easily bombed that try. He would have. Jesse Ramian of six weeks ago would have bombed that try. Absolutely. And the video referee went looking for that bombing. They did. They're and like, this the is Jesse Ramian. He's easily Turbo. dropped that ball. Then they let Turbo the next day throw the ball, Harlem Globetrotters, and then place the ball on the ground. They're like, ah, try. Yeah, but it's Turbo. That, 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 that's the difference between reputation. You know, if Jesse Ramian had... Played his whole career at the Sharks and not gone and wasted two years of his life at Newcastle. He'd be the best centre in the game, and that try gets awarded regardless of whether he's dropped it, kicked it, fucked it. That's fair. But yeah, look, he's the form that he's in at the moment. He's nearly the complete centre. And TK on here the other week was saying that Jesse Ramian's a seven and a half, eight, eight out of ten. We're getting a nine out of ten Jesse Ramey in the last couple of weeks. If he learns to draw and pass, he's a ten out of ten centre. His defence has been incredible. You can't stop his runs. And people turn around and say, yeah, but his tackle breaks, he only makes five metres. Right, then go and check his post-contact metres. He had more post-contact metres than any of our forwards. That's big. Those yeah, metres are the hardest huge, to get to. huge, mate. Because the... And, and just to explain why post-contact metres are so important, you make a tackle, the defensive line sets... You drive another five metres, they've got to go back another five, and that's five metres, they're not looking at the ball. There's an offload, boom, you're through. Raymond's been fantastic last the last month. He made a tackle that I thought would end his season because he's got 806 priors. But I also said on the weekend that if this was Madden football, his running would be 100 out of 100, his passing would be a negative three. Yeah. Because his decision-making is probably up there with the worst. I know I'm overcritical because I watch Raymond a lot closer than I watch the other centres for obvious reasons. But there's so many times he draws and passes and or he goes to draw and pass and you think he's going to put the winger over and he doesn't pass. Then there's a time where the wing is very obviously in a worse position than him and he passes. I think he doubts himself a bit. You know, that'll come. Under Fitzgibbon, that, that'll, you know, be better. And I think he, whoever plays outside him next year is going to score a 20-plus try. And you still forget how young Jesse Ramian is. Absolutely. Like he's he's still a pup, you know. He's he's twenty. Like he's twenty four years old, right? 
not really that much of a late bloomer, but people carry on and, and talk about Jesse Ramian as if he's 28 and he's in the peak of his career. The next contract that Jesse Ramian signs, whether it be a three- or four-year deal, is that's the peak of his career. That's when we're mm-hmm. going to get the best Jesse Ramian. But he's learnt right now there's two things that Jesse Ramian is good at, fucking hitting people and running over people. And that's what we need from him at the moment. Because like I watched a lot of centers on the weekend, and no one has the impact of his running game. You know, there's there's centers out there that are flashier, right? Your Joey Manu's, God rest his soul, with his face. Your your Campbell Graham's, your Dango guys, your Bradman Bess. There's centers out there that are probably a lot better than him. I'm taking Jesse Ramian for yardage over all of them. Yeah, if you, if you give me Jesse Ramian in three years, Lomax is probably the only center in the game that I. I choose over Ramian right now. In saying that, if he if he gets his passing game right, he could push that top quality. Because I mean, you got you got blokes coming through like Crichton and Campbell Graham, like you said, and Lomax, who are all going to be in front of him in the New South Wales thing. So I don't think Rep Footy's in his future, but he's the sort of player that you could go, ah, oh, shit, we got an injury crisis, but Ramian's there. It's all sweet. We're fine. Whereas six weeks ago. You're looking and you're thinking, no, oh, you wouldn't go to Rami and you'd go back to, you know, an older style player or move a winger in. I- I'm loving how he's going. If he just gets that passing right and stops KO and blokes from like three metres away, it'll be sweet. No one thought that Rep Footy was in Daniel Saifidi's career. So Jesse Ramian has the opportunity now to push himself into that Rep, rep Footy talk. At the end of 2018, Jesse Ramian was being talked about as a New South Wales centre. He can get himself back in that contention of talk if he keeps playing like this and his decision-making gets better. His defense, right? You have a look at... you can With Raymond, you can have a look at his missed tackle count and you can get drawn into it and go, oh, fucking hell, he missed five tackles. But the contact that he puts normally makes the person off balance. Now, if he doesn't take them to the ground, it's a missed tackle. But he'll hit you and Nakora will clean you up. And that's the side you don't really want to run at. The other thing as well that I've been looking at on that side of the field... I don't know whether opposition halfbacks are stupid or not as smart as me or as handsome as me or as intelligent as me. Why the fuck do they keep kicking the ball to Sione Katoa? He ain't going to drop it, and then you get the yardage out of him. And then the next person taking the hit-ups, Jesse Ramian. Yeah, look, that's true. Unless it's a, an attacking kick when I'd be kicking to Ramian all day because he's about four foot two. But, yeah, you're right. Like... Like, like, honestly, and I know the halves were Milford, who's an experienced international and rep player. He kept kicking the ball to Katoa. Did he not realise Mawini Hirodi was on the other wing? Like, we got lucky there. I just want to point out, Hirodi has now bombed more tries this year than he scored as well. How did he not score that fucking try? <laughs> I, I was, when I was recording Outlaws on, uh, on Sunday night, everyone should watch that, by the way, it's hilarious. I said to Dids, who for the record is my brother and the producer of the show, he said, oh, why, why are you bagging on Harati so much? Because we're having a chat. And I said, did you see the try he bombed? And he's like, no. And I said, he stepped inside, beat the bloke, fell over and like crabbed. And it's like instead of getting up and just putting the ball down, he crabbed and got caught and had like, it was impossible. You can't not score that try. That's how good Harati is. He can do things no one else in the game can do. Unfortunately, it's always negative. It looked like he had a mid fit because he just could. He's he just his, his legs didn't want to get up. He was just doing an out of water salmon trying to get that ball over the line. That's it. It was it was very frustrating to watch. And yeah, I um 
Look, I, I've asked the question to those up the, the chain and said, why not Lua Lua? And the, the general feedback is you can't throw him in against Coates. Yes, you can. Which is, you know, the fair call. But I would argue that Coates isn't very good. He's just tall. No. Are we talking about Xavier Coates or Corey Oates? Oh, both of them. Fuck them both. They're both hopeless. They're just big. Yeah, I mean, like, Xavier Coates is obviously one season away from being the, the best winger in the world. But if any time you were going to put Janiah Lua Lua, it's against that fucking edge of the Broncos that can't even read a comic book, let alone a defensive line. It was embarrassing that we didn't we didn't go down that side. But, our, I mean, full credit to Braden Trindle. He's like, we're going to go and attack that side where there's kind of tra- – oh, no, look at the sped that's outside him. Let's just fucking give the ball to Ramy and see what he can do. There you go. It's fair enough. Look, oh. I, I thought I thought Tracy had a wow of a game this week. This is my this last guy, question. My last question for run, you. Uh, well, I'm going to take it from you, Terry. Mm-hmm. He runs harder than any forward in our, in our club. And I would argue, and if that's not having a shot, well, it is because they're not playing real well. But I would argue that he is running harder than most forwards in the game. If that guy was the size of Sif Talakai or Aaron Woods, you got the best forward in the game. He is just... I, I love... I love the bloke. I liked him when I, when we signed him. Now I love the bloke. And I'm starting to think he has to be picked going forward. Well, yeah, that's my question to you now. You, you turned around and said if he was if he was five inches taller, he'd be the best centre in the game. Exactly right. It's it's the end of size. But I haven't noticed that the last few weeks. Yeah. Whereas earlier in the year, I was thinking, ah, oh, he's too slow or he's too, he's too lateral or, you know, he's not tall enough. Now it's like, fucking give him the ball and you need six or seven metres coming out your own corner. Mm. Give it to him. He's going to get him. Um. Now, we keep saying that we need a centre, right? We're, we're a centre. But we also keep saying we don't need to rush our decisions, right? Has Connor Tracy saved us five hundred grand by putting him in at centre next year so that way we can have a good look at the field and what's on the market for 2023? I think he has. I don't think he's going to win you a premiership in centres, but I don't think he's going to do you much damage. Where, again, early this year, if you'd said to me, he's our centre next year, no, that, that's ridiculous to even suggest. Why would you think that? Now, yeah, I, I'd be happy enough to see him line up in round one. I'd definitely be picking him up over, I don't forget the name of the, the South bloke, Brayden Burns, that's him. I'd be picking Connor over Brayden Burns right now. And unless a Lomax or a Best came up, absolutely. Yeah, it's for mine, Connor Tracy saved us some money. Look, um, he's, he's he's definitely my centre next year. Even if we get Braden Burns, like if we go and get Braden Burns, caught its, its depth. Go and play at the Jets with Kevin Nagama and and all the other fellas that we're going to pick up. Um, look, an incredibly frustrating game. That that's all I can say about it. It's just it literally is just an incredibly frustrating game. It feels like we should have won that game by thirty eight instead of eight, and it puts us in a pickle, Dan. We're going to talk about that. Now, the pickle that we're in is Canberra play the Roosters. And if Canberra win, we're in a position where we have to win to at least have an opportunity to get into the top eight. Actually, if we win, we're in the top eight. Mm -hmm. If Canberra lose and we lose, it play, you know, the Gold Coast Titans then become in play. And I'm pretty sure they've got the North Queensland Cowboys. Is that right? Am I right around there? Huh? The Warriors. The Warriors. They've got the Warriors. That's right. Oh, Manly have got the Cowboys. So, fate is again in our hands. Now, Craig Bellamy has said that he's going to rest a lot of players. And he has rested a lot of players. There are some players in that lineup now that I didn't think were going to play. 
But there's rumours rife around at the moment that the team that Melbourne Storm have named is not the team that's going to run out. Cooper Johns, Riley Jacks are on the bench. Isaac Lumi Lumi is in there as well. There's going to be a whole heap of changes. Their second rowers I've never heard of. Nelson and, and, and Dale are back. But, you know, they're only going to play 40 minutes. Um, you know, Justin Nolan's playing. I expect him to drop out. I expect Lumi Lumi, Lumi, Lumi to take that spot. You know, it's going to open the door for us. All we have to do is win. And I'm confident we can do it because we've named full strength. We're, we're at a point right now where this is probably our best 1-17 to Baharodi, right? From what, yeah. we, from what we took away. And this is where you wish Josh Dugan hadn't been a fuckwit. Or he would have been good on the wing for us. Yeah. Look, I I would feel better if we had a fully fit Sean Johnson. Mm. But, I mean, he's gone now, so he can't probably overspill Mill. Yeah, look, Harati and Ronaldo, straight swap, that's it. If I was picking the team, I would have picked Lula on the wing over Harati, but otherwise it's 1-17. to 17. If I was picking look, the team, if I was picking the team, honestly, I would put Metcalf at centre, Connor Tracy on the wing, and I would put Kyle O'Donnell on the bench. Could could do worse. I'm not a fan of Harati, and I'm starting to feel perhaps that that is both sides of the podcast. Look, I when I saw that Melbourne side, I was like, oh crap, they're they're going harder than I thought they would. If Jerome Hughes and Pappenhausen play, doesn't matter who else they play in that game. Now they will play one of Smith or Grant. I expect Smith to drop off and Grant to start. They're going to have three of their their spine. Now Nico Hines the six. If he's ever going to have a bad game, I hope it's this weekend, and then I never want him to have a bad game again, unless we play him in the grand final, which, you know, probably a little unlikely at this stage. But, Nico, we know you're listening. Get it out of your system, mate. I'm hoping they drop him late. That'd be nice. Yeah. Because look, I don't want to hurt him. With, with, I think, for mine, I think it's going to be Jerome Hughes and Pappenhausen that drop out, and Nico Hines is going to go to fullback. That'd be okay. I'd be all right with that. You yeah. know, Heinz will tear us up because he's a freakish footballer, best-looking man alive, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of this weekend, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping a few more players drop out. But look, even if that side runs out, as they've named it, there's no excuses because they've dropped two international second rowers, the two best front, front rowers, you know, again, international quality. You know, they're not playing Cam Munster, who's a pretty handy footballer on his day too. No Addo Carr, of course. Yeah, Rim Smith, who absolutely fucking closeted us last time. He scored a hat-trick and could have scored four or five more. I remember last year I, I hit the top sport boys up and said, oh, how much um, is 49-plus playing for Penrith after the storm? And they're like, oh, no, we don't do that. We've only got 34-plus. I was like, sweet, so I got on that. And I think we lost by 48, so saved me five bucks there. But I don't think we are beaten by 50 points this time. Put it that way. No, I don't think we do either. Um I'm confident that, that Bellamy's going to do us a solid and drop some more players. You know, come... Sharks in, so... Yeah, come Thursday afternoon when, when the team lists have to come in and two players have dropped out, I fully expect one of them's going to be Ryan Pappenhausen and one of them's, you know, going to be somewhere else. And then come game day, there's going to be a whole heap of changes as well. The thing for us is we've just got to stick solid, stick to our game plan, not try and score off every play. I'm confident we'll win this game and get ourselves into eighth place and break the hearts of the Gold Coast Titans and the Canberra Raiders, which is great. Um, and I just don't feel it'll be a just reward for the season that we've had. It almost feels like that we should come ninth, right, because of the season that we've had. 
but I don't want to do that. No, me neither. I'm very selfish in that respect. I said today that in terms of the three sides that are going for eight spot, I think Canberra probably favourites because we still got to play the Storm, regardless of who plays for them. The Storm reserves are better than most competition. Canberra playing a Rooster side who are busted. And, I mean, they're going to come fifth or sixth. I don't think it matters the result for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if they rest players because if Tedesco gets hurt, I mean, they're, I mean, they're fucked anyways, but... I think I don't think the Roosters' minds are on that game. I'll I'll flip you on that. I think the Roosters are going to play because the difference is they have to if they finish sixth, they have to play the Knights, and the Knights have matched up well with them. If they finish fifth, they play us. Yeah, I look. I if I was a betting man, I'm saying Canberra beat the Roosters, and then it's up to us what we do in terms of the three sides in what they can do in the finals. I think the Titans are the only one of those three sides who can upset the Roosters or Parramatta. No. So it would be a bit of a shame, but the counter to that is fuck them. Yeah, look, my, my, my thing now is Craig Bellamy has to have a look that, you know, whether he finishes first or second, he gets two bites of the cherry. He either comes up against South or he comes up against Manly. And you have to have a look at round, you know, the, the second round of, you know, the competition. And, and, and should the eighth-place team win against the Roosters, which, you know, there's a very good chance that you could, and should the Storm lose, well, who are you going to want to play? Are you going to want to play against the Raiders, who have an excellent record against them? Are you going to want to play against the Gold Coast Titans, who pushed the, push them all the way the other week? Or are you going to want to play against the Sharks, who you can fucking batter by 40? You know, every, every team, every top seven team is rooting for us to get that eighth spot because they know they'll flog us. We yeah. might get past the Roosters because the Roosters are going to have to name Trent Robinson in the front row. But, fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Of any team in the finals, you'd be sitting there going, yeah, I want to play the Sharks. Oh, absolutely. You want to play the Sharks. Out of ne- all those. Next like, year, you'll be saying, fuck it, I want to play the Sharks. Yeah, no, no one will want us because, you know, we're going to destroy and go through undefeated. But... Look, I'm confident we'll beat Melbourne because if Melbourne were full strength and needing to win to come fourth or something, there's no chance we beat this team. They're just too good. But in terms of what they've named and what we expect to run out, what we've got on the line, there should be enough there to get over said line. Yeah, absolutely. I I think we'll win this game. I think we'll win it, you know, comfortably. But the other thing as well is, like, if we lose, you've got to go into collateral damage mode. So if, if the Raiders lose... And then we lose. We can only lose by like two points. Because as yeah. you said, there's a 24-point swing. And every time the Titans score a try, you'll be sitting there clenching your bum, you know. Spot on. I can't see the Warriors doing us a favour either. No, we needed the Warriors to do us a solid. And actually, it looked like Chad Townsend was going to do us a solid. They were up 16-0. He hurt himself and they fucking lost. Yeah, it was a real shame. I would never admit that publicly. Lucky no one listens to this or else we'd be in a bit of trouble. Yeah, he was, he was their best player the other day until he got injured and fucked us. But it's just, just, I bet you did that on purpose. Probably wasn't even hurt. No, he was sitting there going, oh, I'm up 16-0. I'm going to throw this in Terry and Dan's face now. The dog. Fuck him sideways. Yeah. Um, look, there's not there's not a lot of shark news at the moment, so it's going to be a very quick podcast, Dan. No news is good news, mate, because whenever there's shark news, it's bad. Yeah, look, we, you know, there's a lot of teams out there taking the spotlight off of us, so that's really good. Thank you, Ashley. Mate, um, you been in any toilet cubicles, seen any NRL players lately? No, I haven't really left my house uh, for a while, so... 
Me neither, coincidentally. Yeah, look, I'd be really That's... concerned if I woke up for a shit in the morning and there was an NRL player in my bathroom, so... <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me if it was Dugan, though. Yeah, yeah that's true. He wandered in off the streets. Look, yeah, it's been a, it's been a good week shark-wise, mate. Hopefully we're here next week talking about the same rather than the end of the season. Yeah, look, if we have to do a season review next week, Dan and I will be absolutely shit-faced when we do it. And if, yes, we, have to, if we have to review a semi-final that we're going to get pumped in, we'll be absolutely shit-faced when we do it. Either way, next week we'll be drunk. Absolutely, mate. I'll um, I got some beers. I'm looking at them right now. See you next week, my friends, my my beer friends. Yeah, absolutely. See you next Tuesday. And as always, how about Moylan?